It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. What's up, everybody? Welcome to a matinee edition of Turn on the Jets Live. A little bit different than usual, but we're super excited to do this. Uh, I'm with I'm Steven Zantz. I'm joined by my co-host, Steven Rizzo. It's a weird, it's weird to do this at this hour, Steven, but uh, how you doing, bud? <laughs> Good, man. A little, uh, little midday episode to switch this up. I appreciate your flexibility as uh, whatever the touch of the flu that running through the Jets kind of ran through me and my household earlier this week. So I had to be a little bit flexible. And then some, uh, some holiday family obligations tonight uh, led us to, to actually doing this uh, midday today. So appreciate you, man. How you doing? How you feeling? I'm doing well. Um, yeah, we apologize to our listeners who typically expect to have our show either live on, you know, Mondays or Tuesdays or on their, you know, Apple or Spotify feed, you know, the next day after that. So this will be a nice little, you know, Thursday afternoon, Friday morning surprise. So we appreciate everybody who tunes in. We know that obviously the Minnesota game is a little bit behind us. So we don't want to harp too much on it because I feel like everyone's sort of like, you know, moved off of it. You know, they've decompressed. They're thinking about Buffalo. They're thinking about the bigger picture. But we do want to talk about it because this is what we do on this show. So, Stephen, I think, honestly, this is as as encouraged as I was after a loss. And it was a tough loss, probably the toughest loss of the year. Even the New England games were tough just because the game was there to be had. And it's like there's so many things you could point to. I mean, Braxton makes that catch, which I don't want anyone to say Mike White's got to make a better throw. It's, you know, it's in his hands. He's got to come down with it. But like, you know, one for six in the red zone. Just give me like your, you know, high level thoughts about the game, because overall, I think there's a lot of positives take away, even though they're, you know, ended up being a, a tough loss. Yeah, I think my first thought was if I were a Vikings fan, I would feel like I dodged the bullet with this game. And like I escaped with a win that we probably shouldn't have had. Cause honestly, as objectively as you could look at it, I think the Jets outplayed the Vikings specifically in the second half. Um, with the multitude of opportunities they had, they had, it was obviously disappointing to not come away with the win, uh, getting down in the red zone six times, only coming away with one field goal. Or I'm sorry, one touchdown. And knowing uh, the opportunities we had, especially late, and just kind of that feeling like, you know, I don't know if you had it, but I did, where it's like, okay, they got to score here. They got to score here. Um, and coming away with the loss was uh, was certainly disappointing. But I think when you take your top line, look at it, and you say, you know what? Minnesota's obviously a good team. They're 10-2 and two for a reason. It's not an easy place to play. And this, you know, young team went in and honestly should have come out with a victory. So I came away from this obviously disappointed, uh, knowing the weight that it carried. But when you think about it from, you know, a, a larger view, um, knowing the rest of the, you know, how the rest of the AFC kind of shook out uh, the remainder of that Sunday um, and knowing that this team went really punch for punch with a 10 and two team and the number two seed in the NFC and should have won, you come away feeling encouraged. So I didn't come away feeling as bad as I did after either Patriots loss because that just always kind of carries a, a little bit more weight. But ultimately, I felt good about the way that the offense played. 
um, really good about the, the way the defense played, uh, specifically in the second half, albeit for that one drive, uh, but mostly just encouraged for the way that, that this team plays and fights and responds. And, and hearing Salah post-game saying that he's proud to coach this team, I mean, I just think this team is, is different. And regardless of what happens uh, the rest of the way, I think this is certainly something that can be built upon, and we're definitely going to see that in the last five games and certainly into 2023. Yeah, I mean, I was in a terrible mood after the game. I I ended up having to go in the bedroom and just kind of like lay down and just like think about how tough this was. I hadn't felt this way really in a long time. Um, it kind of was like the, the toughest loss, really, if you think about it, a game that you thought you had probably since that Buffalo um, 2015 game because it was like a meaningful game. I know we've talked about it, like, you know, that Patriot game where Zach imploded, obviously, that led to his benching. But this was a game that was like, you know, they fought back. You know, you're up, you're down 20 to three and they fight back. They take the lead and there's opportunity after opportunity and they squandered it. And I get it. So and there's a lot of things you could point to, you know, penalties, uh, the drops, the, you know, play calling in the red zone, which I think was really the biggest issue. The defense kind of falling asleep on that drive that led to the Jefferson touchdown that put them behind again. Um, Overall, how the defense was playing in the first half, especially against the run game. But like at the end of the day, you know, this team has so much heart. And like you said, Sal is tremendous, man. And this whole staff is great. And I want to talk about LaFleur because I know he's been subject to a lot of criticism, rightfully so. I, I think, he got a little cute with like the trick plays and all that stuff. Even though I think that one play to Barrios was actually a horse collar that they missed. And I didn't, someone had pointed it out to me when it happened in the moment. And I was like, I don't know about that. But then when I saw like the all, the all 22 angle, it definitely was. But, you know, like you said, Minnesota 10 and 2. They're a good team. I know that they're probably a more flawed 10 and 2 team, especially when you look at them against the Eagles, because the Eagles are the only team with a better record in the league. And the Eagles are obviously, they destroyed them early in the year. It's just from an eye test perspective, you know that they're better. But you got to love what you see for a team that falls down 20 to 3. Think about all the, the, the Jets of yesteryears. It's like they're down 20 to 3. They're probably losing 35-10. This team fought back. They never quit. They always play better when their backs are against the wall, which is a good thing because it makes you feel like this Jets team is actually turning a corner out of the same old Jets, we stink kind of thing. But um, I do want to say LaFleur, as bad as he was in the red zone, the guy's a great offensive coordinator. Can we stop? Like, I I wrote this in five things, and I'm going to harp on it for anyone who didn't read it. Just think about the guys that, you know, preceded him. You got uh, Schottenheimer was the one that I really remember the most that I was like, oh, this guy pisses me off. And even he deserves a little more credit than he deserved. I mean, mean, that he was getting at the time because they did make two AFC championship games with him calling the plays. But, like, we had – John Morton, we had uh, we had Bates, we had Chan Gailey, who who I think actually was pretty good for a, when year. He comp- for a year. And then it obviously didn't work out well after that. We had um, Marty Morningwig, we had um, the late uh, Tony Sperano, rest his soul. Yeah. All these guys were terrible. Lafleur, <laughs> despite the loss, they almost had 400 yards of passing offense and almost 500 yards of total offense. Like. Come on. Like, I get it. Like, the execution and the situational stuff was not good. But, like, the Jets, when Zach Wilson hasn't been the quarterback under LaFleur, have been one of the best offenses in the league. And it's like, you've got to realize that the guy calling the shots is doing a good job. And I think he'll learn from this. I think he'll learn not to get too cute in the red zone. He knows that he could trust his quarterback a lot more. But I, I just think that criticism is not warranted at this point because he's shown a lot more good than he has bad, in my opinion. 
Agreed. And I think um, I think Connor made a good point on Badlands about how, you know, he's, he's probably just a little used to having to get cute in the red zone because yes. of the um, the limitations of Zach Wilson. So, uh, you know, breaking away from that, I think, is, uh, is is probably a struggle, but it's something that he'll learn from. And you got to give LaFleur credit where credit's due. Uh, you know, I'm old enough to remember. So you go back to Schottenheimer, which is kind of your uh, your oldest memory. I mean, before that, I remember the flash in the pan, like Mike Heimerdinger and Paul Hackett. And, you know, <laughs> that was brutal. So I feel confident in saying that LaFleur is probably the best offensive coordinator the Jets have had since Charlie Weiss, uh, who came in under uh, under Bill Parcells, which was um man that was great to have charlie weiss and that staff for those for that those whole staff years, was amazing There's so many guys un- who are great coaches on it's that unreal staff. when you uh when you think about it but yeah i mean i obviously i had a few a few problems um you know with the play calling down in the red zone uh specifically that third down call to to garrett wilson where he tripped that's just a low percentage throw that i really don't like seeing especially from the one yard line um but when you think about it too like you got to give them credit because this team was down two scores twice um, in the in the fourth quarter late in the game and to think about how quickly they were able to get down the field like boom they're down and and Garrett Wilson they hit for a big gainer that gets them down inside the red zone inside the 10 yard line which could have you know was an inch away from being a touchdown and then the very next drive after they're down 27 to to 15 I think Bam Knight on the first play when they get the ball back rips off a long run gets them back down into the red zone again so you got to give credit where, where credit's due I think um, you know and kudos to you for saying it too because the you know 400 yards of, of passing uh, almost 500 yards of total offense I think what we're seeing here is that uh, albeit against two you know relatively bad defenses it doesn't matter that you know, they weren't, weren't doing a, that when the years exactly passed. it's an NFL defense and the fact that they're doing this with Mike White at the helm, I just, it, it's, it really, it, it's obvious that this offense is just in a different stratosphere um, over what it was with Zach Wilson uh, leading the charge. And this is also Michael Carter down makeshift offensive line is continuing, uh, you know, Max Mitchell getting benched, George Fant coming back in, you know, stuff like that. And then even, you know, you mentioned the penalties. I mean, it was a, a shaky start. Corey Davis was hit and miss uh, all game long with, catching balls, uh, penalties, making huge catches, clutch catches. Um, you think about the uh, the screen to Berrios inside the red zone in the first half that uh, he kind of turned outside and, and caused Fant to get the block in the back. Oh. That moves him back. Contested catch on that same drive over to Conklin that he can't come up with to get the first down. I mean, there's a whole lot of things here at play, but I think ultimately – you know, there are no moral victories, but you got to feel at least a little bit encouraged coming out of this loss, knowing the way uh, that the offense and defense looked and the fight that they had to, to continue to scratch and claw and get back in it and ultimately have multiple chances to win and come away with that. Yeah, I mean, it just kind of further confirms what we've been thinking for like the past month or so is the Jets could beat anybody, but they could lose to anybody. And that's mm-hmm. fine. That means that's your legitimate team. It's just that's the NFL and that's everything you're going to see. And like, you, you hit on a lot of good things. Like think about what the floor dealt with you, like all the injuries, no Brees Hall anymore. Now Bam Knight, who's I think should be the starter going forward. He's tremendous. So I'm at the Knicks game last night. I appreciate everybody who loved <laughs> that picture that I snagged of him on the big screen. Um, you know, makeshift sure offensive line, you know, now Max Mitchell is on the NFI list for the rest of the year, which sucks. And you're going to bank on Fant and now Mike Remmers, who's going to be his, his backup the rest of the way. So it's just crazy with that. Um, and then obviously, you know, Corey Davis missed some time. Who has there has there been a player really since Robbie Anderson who's been like the ultimate no 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 yes 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 <laughs> kind of guy because like there's times where he just infuriates you and yes. then there's times when you love him so much and like I think like his blocking downfield in the run game is tremendous on top of the fact that he's had so many clutch catches 
And even like that one drop that lets you interception, like it happens, I get it. But like, I also think that Mike White's two interceptions shouldn't really be held against him the way that people maybe were being like, well, if he has one more stinker against Buffalo, but like he didn't have a stinker. If you think about it, that interception was right in Corey's hands, goes up, the defender gets it. And then the one that happens, it's literally the last play of the game. It's he's trying to make a play on fourth and goal on fourth down. It's like, yeah, it wasn't a great throw, but he's just trying to get his team in a position to win or get the first down or whatever it may be. So it's like, it, you got to give him some slack. So I, I do want to like cut into that because there's obviously people who are starting to, you know, rumble a little bit being like, you know, we should go back to Zach. No, why? I don't, I don't see it. Mike White, despite those two interceptions, almost led this comeback. He threw some amazing throws. That one play to Corey was unbelievable. But like I know Joe posed this out on Twitter. It's like, when was the last time the Jets had such a clutch throw like that? I think for me, I remember it was the Sam throw. It wasn't, it was against Buffalo his rookie year when it wasn't the throw to Robbie when he just like ran around everything. It was the one that set up the game-winning touchdown when I think it was Trenton Cannon or whoever, or Elijah McGuire, whoever it was, yeah. ran it in. It was yep. like that sideline dime that like literally Robbie had to call, get his two feet in. That yep. was like the clutch throw. And then I said um, Sanchez to uh, Santonio San in the back of the end zone in the divisional round was one of the most clutch throws. So yeah. it was awesome. White was hitting all these perfect throws. There's crisp throws. He looks great. I know he missed Garrett on that. Would have been an easy touchdown because he had Pat Pete beat. The guy deserves the rest of the year. There's no, there's no debate. Even if he has a bad game against Buffalo, he deserves his chance to play against the Lions. If he stinks up against the Lions, okay. Like I could see like where you get like, a little bit of like, okay, maybe we should see what Zach has against uh, Jacksonville on Thursday night. But I don't expect him to stink against Buffalo. I don't expect him to stink against the Lions or any team that we play. I mean, of course, he may turn the ball over. That's part of the, the NFL. The guys get paid to play defense too. But he deserves a shot, man. And the, the, you cannot ignore how this locker room is responding to him. It's the Mighty Duck stuff, the, you know, the shirts that they're wearing as they're going on the plane last week. It's like, they love this guy and clearly they believe in him. So we should too. Yeah. It's uh, it's hard to argue with anything that you said. I think um, there's no question uh, in, in my argument really. And we talked about it before, uh, before we went live here, but you know, I think there's no question that the the best game that Zach Wilson had this year was probably Miami, which he played solid. I want to say through for 210 yards, had a couple of almost touchdowns, ran one in. Um, I would say, though, that there's no question in my mind that both of these Mike White games have been better than that one. So and it just, not even from, doubt. just the eye test, this offense just looks different in a good way with Mike White leading the charge. I think he's able to do things that Zach Wilson isn't. I think he gets the ball out quicker. He processes things quicker and he's making every throw. So I don't know why really there's any doubt from what we've seen. Aside from the fact that he's Mike White, who's a journeyman that was a fifth round pick that's been cut by four different teams and, and you know, this, that and the other thing. So in in all reality, I think that he gives you your best shot to win. And I think he should be granted a longer leash to where even if the bottom falls out against Buffalo, you still give him another shot coming back against Detroit and most likely for the rest of the year. Um, and, you know, my argument to, you know, Salah saying his plan is to get Zach Wilson back on the field at some point this season. What do we expect him to say? He's got to keep Zach Wilson motivated. He's got to say that. And regardless, if you let Zach Wilson continue to hit the reset button and you come back at the start of 2023 and you have an open competition with Zach and Mike White and whoever else they may bring in, then so be it. But if you want to win this year and if you're really pushing for a playoff spot, which they absolutely are, 
um, Mike White has to be your guy for the remainder of 2022. Yeah, no doubt in my mind. I'm like, I'm, I'm here. It, it's just, you got, I ride with the guy. And I think yeah. just, he says all the right things. He's like the ultimate teammate. It seems like everyone loves him. I read a good piece from Connor Hughes on SNY about like, he's that guy. He's the most respected in that locker room. And that's awesome to hear. And um, I just, uh, I really, you know, this, the sample size is extremely small, obviously, but I see no reason why he can't be at least a factor in 23 in terms of the Jets starting quarterback situation. I mean, we have no idea what's going to happen in the market. I mean, if, uh, you know, Jimmy G, if he becomes available, who knows, especially depending on the injury there, uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, but if you're talking about guys like like Jacoby Brissett or, uh, you know, I'm Nick Mullins. Yeah, Mike White seems to be the obvious choice over guys like that. I mean, I think that the people you make an exception for are pretty clear. It's it, it is the Jimmy G's, the Aaron Rodgers, the you know Dave um, Derek Carr if he comes available. I don't but think he are, is. Is there those are <laughs> extreme, extreme long shots? So right now, like, why wouldn't you ride with Mike White and bring in another you know savvy veteran um, along with Zach Wilson and have an open quarterback competition and see what happens? Uh, but to the to the naysayers right now, I mean, I, I think it's it's as clear as day um, that he's got to be the guy in this offense is on another level right now. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I couldn't agree more. <laughs> we should we got to talk about Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson is a superstar superstar like he played on the same field as Justin Jefferson he was the better player I'm not saying he's better than Jefferson but he was a better player on Sunday and it's not even a question in my mind and week after week he went when he's getting the the opportunities because he wasn't getting the ball for a few weeks when Zach was playing he continues to just run with that opportunity we just learned like right before we went live with this show offensive rookie of the week yet again oh no rookie of the week I'm sorry it's not offensive rookie of the week but He's actually solidifying himself as the favorite to win offensive rookie of the year, which now that Kenneth Walker, who people were saying was the presumed favorite, who's hurt, Garrett could literally just run away with this. I know his, his teammate Alave is really good. Can't discredit that he has more yards, but also I think it's because they have no one else to throw to where like the Jets have Corey Davis. They have, uh, you know, Elijah now is finally getting more integrated Barrios, Conklin, Uzama, the backs and everything like that. So it's, it's more opportunity for Alave, but you just watch this guy. I don't even like he's going to he's going to probably break the rookie record from Keyshawn this weekend. And he, you know, if he continues like this pace since, you know, Mike White came into the lineup, it's going to be our first thousand yard receiver in seven years. Like, it's so sad to say, but like the guy is different. And I know we talked about this last show. He's better than what Keyshawn was. And I know that's your boy. I know all that. <laughs> but like, mom. Garrett Wilson's my guy, man. I, I ride and die with this guy. And it seems like he loves Mike White. So you got to keep feeding that, man. I, I, I can't, There's nothing even more I could say. And like anyone who watches him knows this guy's going to be a top 10 receiver in the league next year. And he couldn't even be better. Who knows? He's yeah. 21 years old. He may not even be scratching the surface of what he could actually be. Uh, there's no question the Jets at the jackpot with Garrett Wilson. I think um, oh. it was a, a a breath of fresh air and a sigh of relief when they made that pick at number 10. I know there's a lot of things going through Jets fans' minds. Steven, I remember you and I talking about it right after the draft where we were really hoping they would take him, but there was a, obviously a shred, probably more than a shred of doubt um, there. But the fact that they took him and the fact that this rookie is having the impact that he's having and is such a clear cut number one receiver on this team already and is making the impact that he's having is just incredible. So for him to be on pace, like you said, to, to break Keyshawn's record, I think definitely in the next two games, but probably against Buffalo here and to be on pace for a thousand yards. I mean, this guy is a 
legit number one receiver, which the Jets really haven't had since Brandon Marshall, who was a flash in the pan for us, you know, as a veteran. Um, but really before that, you know, it, keep going back to Keyshawn, really. I mean, you know, you shade the Santana Moss uh, back there, you know, the 04 years, Lavernius Coles, you got to sit, you know, include those guys. I think the 09, 10 years was really more group by, you know, committee. Mm-hmm. Um, but this guy is absolutely 100% special. There is no weakness to his game. And that's, uh, that's something that is um, really good to see. Cause I think he's obviously slender, but he's got some height. He can make contested catches. He's smooth in his routes. He's got speed. He's got breakaway speed. He's, he's getting, uh, I, I don't know what the stats are for 15 plus yard catches, but he's leading the league. I think leading all rookies uh, in that category, at least. So he's a game breaker, man. And this guy is special. So for the Jets to get this guy uh, at, at number 10, and for him to be doing the things that he's doing, um, you know, late this year and be a leader on this team and uh, and the clear cut number one man is is really it's it's awesome to see. And as a Jets fan, like you just can't you couldn't be happier for this guy and to get this guy. The one thing I will say is, please, for the love of God, protect the football, like because he's <laughs> that one long play man. He's carrying that thing like a loaf of bread, and it's making it was making me nervous. But that's all. I'm not I gonna find bones the, to pick with this that's game. The, that's can't. the one. That's the one downside for me because it made me nervous. But hey, it's just <laughs> me being the uh, the the the. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Pessimist that I can be. I, I broke the jersey buying curse or rule. I'm sorry, not curse. Rule of waiting until they get a second contract. He's he's making me th- want to do it again. I want it. Yeah. I want to get Garrett Wolves. I know you already got sauce, but oh, I want I, to get Garrett. I'll be wearing my sauce on Sunday for this Buffalo go. game. Um, but yeah, there's it's just there's nothing more you could say. He's, he's no. outstanding, and it's just so much fun. Um, and we'll move it to another rookie because there's just so many rookies on this team that continue to impress. Zonovan Bam Knight, noted Knicks fan, right here. Saw about the game on the big screen last night. Uh, Elijah was there as well. I don't think they were sitting together because they showed them at separate times on the screen, but really cool stuff. And you got to love it for a guy like that undrafted rookie free agent. Uh, get basically was a non-factor other than the preseason up until two weeks ago. Um, I think he was active right before they, right when they got James Robinson, I think there was a couple games, I think when there was injuries. Um, but yeah, it's this guy. And I liked what I saw with him um, in the preseason, but you know, you always got to take that with the greatest salt. He's playing against guys who are probably not going to make a team, but when given this opportunity against Chicago and against Minnesota, he looks like the best running back they have right now, other than Brees Hall. And it's not even close. Like, love Michael Carter. No disrespect to him whatsoever. He's coming back this week. They already took him off the injury report. He's good to go. Zonovan's got to be the guy who's like in like the bulk of the carries, the bell cow work. 
MC is a great complimentary piece. And I think he's more of like a Bilal Powell, a Shane Vereen, James White type of guy, like a scat back, for example, for uh, lack of a better phrase. And they got to make these guys the one-two punch right now, maybe mixing in a little Ty Johnson, James Robinson, who hasn't looked right really since he became a Jet, which sucks because we thought he'd be something good. And it's got to be Bam, and it's got to be MC. I, I don't see why not. Like, the guy runs hard. He has, like, great cut moves. He's perfect for this offense. The thought of having him and Brees Hall next year, and even Ed Michael Carter, is awesome. What are, what are your thoughts about Bam? Yeah, I just – I think I said it last week where <clears> – <throat> excuse me. The success that they had with Brees Hall, I think, was unprecedented. But it obviously kind of – it showed what kind of runner they need. Um, and I'm not saying that Bam Knight is Brees Hall, but I think he's the closest thing to replacing Brees Hall. Yes, specifically like stylistically. stylistically. Exactly. So he's uh, a larger back. He's a one-cut-and-go runner, and he punishes defenders. And that's the kind of runner that the Jets want and that they need. So as the game goes on, he gets stronger, the defense gets weaker. And I just think he is um, the best replacement right now for Brees Hall. So I think in the absence of Hall, the best one-two punch, what you exactly said, is Bam Knight is one, MC is two, and Ty Johnson is three, um, and that's how it should be. I think MC is, a, is, is definitely a, a great complimentary piece. I think he does all the right things. I think he's great out of the backfield catching balls. Um, he's definitely got a little burst in the, in the run game, but I think right now it's got to be Bam leading the charge. Um, James Robinson, you know, it, it was a, it was a great trade at the time. I'm glad they took that swing. He just hasn't looked right. And, and, and really he looks slow. Um, he looks sluggish. I don't know if that knee is, is okay, but either way, the jets are clearly finding success and have to, uh, you know, thank whoever they need to thank for getting Zonovan Knight as an undrafted free agent for him to come on and contribute this late in the season and have, have the success that he's having. Um, it, it's great. So yeah. To, and, and, you know, again, to your point, kind of bringing that home, the thought of having him and Brees, uh next year as a, as a one, two or one, two, three with Michael Carter punch, whatever, man, that's uh that's exciting stuff for this run game. It's uh the Brees. I, I tweeted this, the video, it's the Shaq and Kobe like clips video of them. Yeah. just like saying each other. That's Brees and Bam next Definitely year. Is. It's, so, <laughs> it's so fun. I feel like we're like back in that, you know, 2009, 2010 Jets, just power run game. It's just, it's awesome. And yeah, oh, man, I'm, I'm just so giddy about this. Um, you know, the, I, I can't say anything more. I love this guy and he needs to keep getting the ball. And Salo said at his presser this week, he's not going anywhere, which is awesome. And I just love this mentality. It's like, they don't care about the scholarship. They don't care where you were drafted, yep. how much money you're making. If you are producing, you're going to play. It doesn't matter. We want to win football games. And that's amazing because Adam Gase was so stubborn. When you think about it, he was like throwing out Frank Gore there. And like, I know he was pretty effective. I get it, but there's not a lot of talent there. But there's no more of like, we're just trying to put those guys out there because we're paying them. We took them high. It doesn't matter. It's like everybody has to earn their job. And it's the perfect way to run this football team. And it's been a long time since it feels like they've operated under this, you know, mentality of, you know, the best players are going to be the ones who play, who show it on the field. And you commend Robert Sala for the way that he's handled the locker room. Well, that's should be point number one as to why, right? Because you're doing it based on merit and that's any, any workplace. Like that's what anybody wants. They don't want anybody to be given anything for, for any reason outside of just merit and the work that they put in and the results they produce. So if you're going to do that and the way that he's done this with Bam Knight, with Zach Wilson and Mike White, he is playing people based on their performance, even making a move away from Max Mitchell and going to George Fant at halftime. Like 
that is doing and making the right decisions and pulling the right strings at the right time. So that is going to continue to carry weight in the locker room and make it. So listen, you know, exactly where you stand. It is always going to be based on performance and based on merit and based on the results that you prove on the field. So there it is. Like, this is why we have the right coach in Robert Sala and why fans feel so confident in him and this regime uh, moving forward into the you know next few years. Yeah, for sure. Um, I definitely want to touch on the playoffs because I know that's been a big thing that people have been talking about this week. And obviously that we'll talk about the Buffalo game specifically, but the one thing I said, and I wrote this also earlier in the week is that I don't think we should panic if they don't win this week about making the playoffs and like this being a risk, they'd be seven and six. And they still obviously have a, you know, a, a very, you know, reasonable road to get there. Um, I think at this point, you know, take each game at a t- one, one at a time. Stop. Don't think ahead. Don't think about what we can't, we didn't do. It is what it is. You are what your record says you are to quote the, the, the great Phil Parcells. Um, I know that people are scoreboard watching at this point, but like, even that is silly. Cause you have no, like, there's nothing you can do. I mean, like, obviously we got a lot of help from San Francisco. We, of course, Kansas city couldn't help us, but I think at this point with um, Cincinnati, they're going to win that division. So you don't really have to worry about them. I think Baltimore yeah. is the team to watch. And I think Pittsburgh needs to do us a huge solid and take them down to really help us in that regard. Um, the Miami chargers thing is interesting right now because we're fighting with both of them for a spot. And it's weird to say, but it makes sense that you'd want Miami to win. And the reason being is they're ahead of us in the standings right now. And, and the chargers are behind us. So you want to try to put the team that are behind us in a bigger hole than the, you know, the team that's ahead of us, like they getting us closer. So it's the same exact reasoning. We should have been rooting for Buffalo last week against New England. Exactly. Exactly. You're, you already have the game against Miami. You've already beaten them once. So you want to put spacing in between you and the team behind you. Yeah. It's simple. We shouldn't be rooting. We shouldn't be rooting for LA this week. There's no, we don't want to, we just don't want to tie a tie would be make everything really annoying. So (laughs) you want one of those teams to lose because either way you win a little bit because a, it closes the gap Miami B it makes the chargers further behind us. So I'm fine with it either way. Um, So yeah, I I think that that's like a big thing to think about, but at the same time, the Jets just got to handle their own business, like get to 10 games and then worry about it later. Mm -hmm. Like I think, you know, right now being seven and five, you know, you got five games left. You all you got to do is go three and two down the stretch. So you do have yeah. room for error a little bit. And if you get if you get to eleven, you're like well, you're a hundred percent making the playoffs. Like there's no way they wouldn't. I would be absolutely stunned if they got to eleven with the way the AFC has looked that they couldn't make the playoffs. But ten seems like the number. Eleven is like is like house money. And if you run the table, which they're not going to, obviously. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> well, exactly. But you, you know, you, you mentioned it earlier, like the jets are, the jets have a shot to win every game they play the rest of the way. There's no question, but, but they can lose them too. Exactly. But you think about how this narrative will change if they come out of Buffalo with a win, like oh, <laughs> it'll be sweeping. Insane. But, um, but, and, and that's the thing. It's like, it's not that crazy. Like, yeah, there, are, are they the odds stacked against them? Yes. But it's not that crazy for them to, to come out of Buffalo with a win. I mean, I'm not going to, you know, I won't reveal it, but I'm, it's going to be hard. I'm going to be hard pressed to pick them to win. But either way, <laughs> if you look at the remaining schedule here, the Chargers got Miami, Tennessee at the Colts, Rams, and then at Denver. So those next two games are going to be extremely pivotal for the Jets playoff chances. You look at New England at Arizona. You hope that they can return a favor for Let's us. Let's go they, Kyler uh, Cliff, baby. Yeah, you, you hope that they can do us a solid and repay the uh, letting the ball drop against uh, against uh, the Chargers a few weeks ago. 
Then they're at Las Vegas, which is no cupcake uh, anymore. Then they're home for Cincinnati, home for Miami, and at Buffalo. That's if tough. They lose, if they lose one of those next two games, I mean, it could look they're really, dead. really bleak for, for New England, who I don't think is a good, uh, a good team anyways. And they're two Zach Wilson games away from being, what, four and eight at this point. Yeah. Then – the other one that we have to keep an eye on specifically with the Lamar injury is Baltimore, but that schedule is pretty soft, but they're at Pittsburgh at Cleveland home. Cleveland against also has Watson now. It's <clears throat> yes. different. So it is different. So that's another one to keep an eye on specifically with how long this, this Lamar injury could be. He has hurt. the same injury Zach had last year. So he could miss a month. It's it, not like out of, he could miss the rest of the season. It's so not crazy. There you go. So they're currently what they're, are they seven to five or eight and four right now? Um, I'm not sure. I have to check, but either, either way, way, but they're at Pittsburgh at Cleveland home for Atlanta home for Pittsburgh and at Cincinnati, which could have huge implications depending on how these next five, four games shake out. So there's a lot at play here, but ultimately you are absolutely right. If the jets just take care of business, if they can win three out of these next five, I feel safe. If they can win four, there's no question in my mind, they're making the playoffs. So mm-hmm. it just depends on how it shakes out. But ultimately Listen, I have to continue to remind myself that I just have to feel happy with the fact that they're in it. I mean, before the season started, I picked them to go nine and eight, lose the last game of the season to Miami, which ultimately keeps them out of the playoffs. I don't know how that shakes out now that it's becoming a really uh, a potential reality. It kind of scares me at the same time, though. I have to be thankful for the fact that we're watching meaningful December football, that a crushing loss in Minnesota is much better than talking about draft, uh, you know, draft stock uh, in early December. Um, at the same time, you also just realize that, man, these things don't, they don't happen every year just because they're supposed to. So you want to take advantage and, and strike while the iron's hot. So it's like, man, they got a real chance. And I think with the defense and the way the team's built, the Jets could go into any building in, in, in January and, and February and compete and have a chance. So who knows? <laughs> yes. We are sniffing around as ESPN has coined. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, that's all so just, we asked for. We wanted to be in the hunt, man. That was it. And we're getting it. We're here. We are. We're we the are. We, they gave us what we asked for. Um, just to confirm for anyone who's curious that Baltimore is eight and four. So, eight and four. okay. Yeah. They do have that advantage on us right now, but a lot can change. If we could, if we could win this week and they lose, you know, it's, it's different. But, um, speaking of which let's move to game picks preview, all that great stuff at Buffalo. Um, it's a tall task, man. It's it's hard. They already beat them. So it's not like you know they can't do it. It's possible. But the things are different. They're, Buffalo's a different team than when we played them last time. They got some of their guys back. We're a different team. We have a different quarterback. We got some of our guys back who are missing. So it's like you don't know. And Buffalo, although they got some of their guys back that were out, like a Milano, they don't have, they don't have Von Miller, and he's done for the year, which is huge for them because he's the main source of their you know quarterback pressure. So that could actually be a huge thing for Mike White. Obviously, Mike White was terrible against them last year. And you know that's thinking in the back of his mind. But his supporting cast was different. It was a completely different Jets football team, a team that couldn't stop anybody that was putting him in tough positions. So I don't think he's going to play like that. I still think it's really, really hard to expect a Jets team that already beat this team to you know do it again, especially in their building, especially with you know the firepower that they have. I mean, we did see Diggs and Gabe Davis get shut down. And they did it against Justin Jefferson, so it shows he could do it against anybody. Um, but I, I don't know. It's just there's something. I just can't I, – I think if the Jets could control the clock and run the ball effectively against Buffalo, which they have been prone to giving up some big plays in the run game. Obviously, their secondary is much healthier with Trey White back. Um, I forgot which safeties are back at this point. Hoyer's but back. Hoyer's back. But he's still a little bit older, so mm-hmm. you never know. Um, 
I think if the Jets can control the clock, run the ball effectively, get Bam, get MC really cooking, uh, you know, asking White to throw between two and two thirty, and just protecting the football, this is a very winnable game because I do expect the Jets to force some turnovers. Josh Allen's been very prone to them, which has been very interesting to see. But it's his play style. But keep him out. And keep him in the pocket. Do not allow him to move around. And they did a good job. Jermaine Johnson had that huge play in the first meeting. Hopefully that he could do that again. And you know, the defense overall can do that. But I'm gonna go. It's it's hard for me to say this, but I'm gonna say Buffalo 24, Jets 20. That's my pick. <laughs> yeah, I think um there's a lot of things going on for this game. I, I don't put a lot of stock into like extra motivation typically. Yeah, me either. They're, they're NFL teams, however. I do have to say, you know, if I'm Buffalo, uh, there's two things at play for me. I A, I want revenge on the Jets for the first game because they dropped one that they feel like they shouldn't have. And B, with that Kansas City loss, now they kind of smell blood in the water and they know how important these remaining games are to get that one seed and ultimately have home field advantage for the playoffs. Because losing in Kansas City these last two years, I think, um, is obviously painful for them. And they, they would love to have Kansas City in their building, uh, you know, moving forward and, and, and in the playoffs this year. However... I think this game is winnable. Uh, we, we've obviously seen that. We saw it, you know, a month ago when the Jets beat them. I think, um, yeah, like you said, players are coming back for Buffalo, but players are coming back for the Jets too. Um, you got Mike White at the helm. You have Corey Davis, who you didn't have the first time. You have Bam Knight, who's obviously an upgrade over James Robinson, who played a you know pretty big role in that first Buffalo game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think Garrett Wilson has now elevated himself and is, is on another, another level, and he had a very good game. Uh, you know, against Buffalo earlier in the year. So I think if you can keep it close and not get down, you know, if they get down 14-3 like they did, you know, against Buffalo the first time, it's not going to look pretty in their building. Um, you certainly can't get down 20-3 to like they did no. against Minnesota. But if you can keep it close and go punch for punch with, with the Bills, I think there's a way. And I think you can force Josh Allen into a turnover or two to where, you know, you can absolutely steal a game maybe that you shouldn't here. I think – the Jets are motivated. I think the Jets um, feel like they let one go against Minnesota and feel like they can absolutely play with Buffalo. And I think they match up, you know, pretty well, all things considered. But ultimately, I just think that Josh Allen and the offense and Stephon Diggs is going to be a little too much uh, for the Jets uh, to handle. I'm going to say the Jets drop one 27-21 um, with a chance to a chance at the end to, to win it with a touchdown, but ultimately they fall up short. Yeah. I mean, listen, it's we're, I'm a realist. I'm not going to say I expect them to win. I think they can, but yeah. I don't, I'm not expecting it because Buffalo is a really good team and they've been they starting to play a lot better since that loss to the Jets. Yeah. So anything's possible on any given Sunday, but listen, the Jets are the lead game on CBS. They are the national. Well, I wouldn't say national because it's not in, on all houses because there's a lot of games going on in that window, but yeah. they have the biggest share in the 1 PM hour. Um, and you got Jim and Tony. So you're going to hear the, Jim, I can't wait for the, 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 the noises from Tony I know. talking about the parallels between him and Mike White, you know, being the small school guy, you know, working your way up the depth chart and all that. Great by stuff. the Cowboys. Yeah, yeah, all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> all that great stuff. I just um, think, um, I mean, we, you said it earlier, but reminding ourselves that seven and six, and we can't just take this loss and say it's a guaranteed loss. It's not. We got to play the game not. on Sunday. It's not. But seven and six isn't the end of the world. No. And there is certainly a path to winning three out of the next five, four out of the next five, and maybe even running the table because that Miami game to end the season, we've seen some chinks in the armor there. And and we've beaten Miami before, with or without two. I mean, Miami going to San Fran and losing to Brock Purdy, that's kind of a big deal. 
Like, let's not, you know, let's not also, just uh, brush that aside. Like, Tua hasn't played a defense other than San Francisco that looks like our defense. Exactly. And look what San Francisco's defense did. It, it's a very similar so, defense. But exactly. our defense, our secondary is better than theirs. Yes. Their, their front, their edge is better, but like. So this road know? is, yeah, this road is going to be tough and there's going to be bumps in it and there's going to be hurdles to jump over. There's no question. I mean, Detroit is looking pretty scary right now, but Detroit, you know, Dude, doesn't they, have they a defense. They terrify me. I don't know why. <laughs> Jared Goff coming outside <laughs> yeah, that's uh, in thing. December, you know, against this defense, this D-line. So there's just a lot of things at play here. So let's not, you know, if the Jets ultimately drop this one and get the seven and six, it's not the end of the world. I think they can still control their own destiny, but let's see how it plays out, man. Either way, this is what we asked for. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, we appreciate just don't, go seven, just don't go seven and 10. Like that's, oh all, you know, God. we got the seven. Like just don't drop the last five. That's all. We that asked. would make my record prediction correct. But no, I'd be, fur- <laughs> I'd be furious. If they went seven and 10, I'd be furious. But they're not yeah. going to. Yeah, it'd, be a diff- it'd be a different narrative going into 23. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah. We appreciate everybody who tunes in, whether you watch, whether you listen, whether you follow us on Twitter, anything you do to interact with Stephen and I, it's awesome. We do, again, apologize for the later in the week episode. We will not do it again. Well, at least we'll try not to, just based on, you know, certain people getting sick. I'm just kidding, Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> but um, if you have not already, make sure you subscribe to the show, either on YouTube, youtube.com slash turn the Jets TV, um, Apple, Spotify, just search turn the Jets live. Also on those platforms, please rate reviews subscribe we we it's all helpful to us and we appreciate all that support um and obviously make sure to subscribe to the turn on the jets regular feed for will's show draft season i know the guys putting out an episode on friday it's really good stuff by them and last but certainly not least if you are not already and i know that we keep seeing the amount of people subscribe grow for badlands subscribe best premium jets content on the internet I know there's a film room dropping today by Connor. I, you know, there was two pods this week. He got all the written stuff. It's always a lot of fun to see. Um, you just can't beat it. And if you're a huge Jets fan, you're super invested in this team like we are, you're going to just get real fun, you know, honest takes. And that's, that's all you can really ask for. Um, <laughs> and it's, I, I'm so, you know, honored to have the privilege to, you know, have this platform right you know, it, it's just so much fun for me. And, you know, I appreciate everybody who interacts with us. And I know Stephen Bale is the same. Um, but also, if you haven't already, make sure to RSVP to the watch party at William McBride's in Hoboken for the Jacksonville Thursday night game in a couple of weeks. I will not be in attendance, but I know a bunch of people will. Joe will be there. Del will be there. Um, I believe Meigs and Will will be there. It'll be super fun. Greg will be there. It'll be a great time. Um, but Again, everybody, thank you so much. We appreciate everybody, and we will talk to you guys next week.